the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Turkey agrees to welcome Finland and Sweden into NATO. Turkey has agreed to support Finland and Sweden joining NATO. Top aide to Mark Meadows testifies President Trump wanted to go to the Capitol on January 6th. And I don't think the American people that engage with what, what, what this committee is bringing forward. Consumer confidence hits a 16-month low. Inflation isn't getting better, it's getting worse. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, June 29th. I'm Mike Scott. Turkey has greenlit Finland and Sweden's applications to become NATO members. Turkey agreed Tuesday to lift its opposition to Sweden and Finland joining NATO that ends an impasse among the leaders in Europe. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg announced the agreement for Finland and Sweden to join NATO. In light of the progress we have made together, Turkey has agreed to support Finland and Sweden joining NATO. Among many consequences of President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine has been Sweden and Finland applying to join NATO as protection against Russia. Under NATO treaties, an attack on any member would be considered an attack against all and trigger a military response by the entire alliance. Turkish President Recep Erdogan initially said he would not approve the applications, citing Finland and Sweden's support for Kurdish organizations that Turkey considers security threats. Finnish President Sali Niesta said that the agreement with Turkey was necessary. I want to thank President Erdogan, President Ninusto, and Prime Minister Andersson for the constructive spirit of today's talks. We will uh, tomorrow see the other NATO countries uh, meeting, and we are expecting to have their statement where Finland and Sweden are invited uh, to member to become members, and uh, then we will start access ne- negotiations. Uh, that was very necessary agreement. Meantime, the final statement from the G7 summit in Germany underlined their intent to impose more and severe economic costs on Russia. Prime Minister Boris Johnson says the attack on the mail in Ukraine made it clear to the G7 how vital it is to back Ukraine fully in its struggle against Russia. If anything, it helped those of us who are making the case for helping to protect the Ukrainians to get that message across to to some of those people who are more swing voters in the argument. They can see that this is utter barbarism. 
51 were found dead after being abandoned in a tractor trailer on a remote back road near San Antonio, Texas. In what marked the latest tragedy to claim the lives of migrants smuggled across the border from Mexico into the U.S., 16 remain hospitalized, including four children. A city worker heard a cry for help from the truck and discovered a gruesome scene. Hours later, body bags lay spread on the ground near the trailer as a grim symbol of the calamity. It's among the deadliest tragedies to have claimed thousands of lives of people attempting to cross the border illegally from Mexico in recent years. Ten migrants died in 2017 after being trapped inside of a truck parked at a Walmart in San Antonio. In 2003, 19 migrants were found inside a sweltering truck southeast of San Antonio. San Antonio Police Chief William McManus says it's fortunate that a city worker made the gruesome discovery Monday evening. A worker uh, who is, works in one of the buildings up here behind me uh, heard a cry for help, came out to investigate, found a, a trailer with the doors partially open, uh, opened them up to take a look, and found a number of um, deceased individuals inside. Fire Chief Charles Hood says the heat appears to have been the cause of the deaths and illnesses for those inside of that trailer. The patients that we saw were hot to the touch. They were suffering uh, from heat stroke, heat exhaustion, uh, no signs of water in the vehicle. It was a refrigerated tractor trailer, but there was no uh, visible working AC unit on that rig. The home countries of the migrants and how long they were abandoned on the side of the road was not immediately known. Many were said to be from Mexico. Mark Morgan, senior fellow for the Heritage Foundation and the Federation for American Immigration Reform and former Customs and Border Patrol Commissioner, joined America First with Sebastian Gorka and said that securing the border is not about illegal immigration. This is not about illegal immigration. But we're, we're overly focused on that, obviously, because we're seeing the highest levels of illegal immigration we've seen in our lifetime. But here's why I keep saying that this is about border security. But when you have a historic high level of illegal immigration against the rule of law, against the sovereignty, et cetera, our ability to secure our borders exponentially and equally goes down. Right. They're proportional and they're connected. Illegal immigration is not a victimless crime. When you have the volumes you have, you're, you're, you're having your precious border patrol resources that are pulled off the front lines, leaving the uh, border unpatrolled, unmonitored, wide open. There are some sectors that at times 80% of the border patrol resources have been put off the line to really do nothing but become a federal travel agency. New surprise testimony from the January 6th hearings Cassidy Hutchinson, one-time aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, testified that former President Donald Trump was warned that members of the crowd attending his rally on January 6th of 2021 were heavily armed and still directed them to march toward the Capitol. Former White House aide also said she was told that Mr. Trump insisted on going to the Capitol with his backers, even as officials ultimately successfully tried to stop him. Ms. Hutchinson recounted a dramatic altercation in the president's limousine that she heard about 
after his Secret Service detail refused to drive him to the Capitol for safety concerns. She says Tony Ornato, White House Deputy Chief of Staff, told her Mr. Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of that vehicle and lunged at Robert Engel, head of his detail, after Mr. Engel told him he wouldn't take him to the Capitol. Hutchinson told Wyoming Congressman Liz Cheney that White House counsel Pat Cipollone told her on January 6th that the president could not be allowed to go to the Capitol. We're going to get charged with every crime imaginable if we make that movement happen. And do you remember which crimes Mr. Cipollone was concerned with? In the days leading up to the 6th, we had conversations about potentially obstructing justice or defrauding the electoral count. Hutchinson testified that an angry top House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, called her during President Trump's speech on January 6th. The president just said he's marching to the Capitol. You told me this whole week you aren't coming up here. Why would you lie to me? I said, I'm, I'm not lying. I, I wasn't lying to you, sir. I, we're not going to the Capitol. And he said, well, he just said it on stage, Cassidy. Figure it out. Don't come up here. Hutchinson maintains Deputy White House Chief of Staff Tony Ornato was describing President Trump's reaction in his vehicle when a chief bodyguard told the president they couldn't go to the Capitol. The president had very strong, a very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Engel and When Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio joined the Salem Radio Network after the testimony, discussing his thoughts on the January 6th committee hearings. Their whole goal, we talked about this many times, their whole goal is to try to stop President Trump from running. I don't think they're going to be successful. I think he's going to run. And as I've said many times, I think he's going to win. The Ohio congressman says the hearings are not designed to get to the truth. First time in history... The, the minority leader was not allowed to place on the select committee the individuals he had selected. Even the standing committee that we have every Congress, there's always minority representation there, and you're always at a hearing allowed to, ha- allowed to cross-examine witnesses. And frankly, when you do an investigation, I mean, I've probably been involved in more investigations than any member of Congress over the last decade because I'm on the oversight committee. I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the judiciary committee. I was on the, the intel committee when, the, when, when the, 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 they shifted the impeachment. I was on the Benghazi select committee. So you always get a chance to see the evidence, to look at the documents, and then and then in the public hearings have cross-examination. That's not available here. Jordan also believes the American people really aren't interested in the hearings. I don't, I don't think we've learned anything new, and I don't think the American people are that engaged with what, what, what this committee is bringing forward. Jordan went on to maintain the committee has misrepresented his text messages. They, they lied about my text message, misrepresented, changed the punctuation, shift presented to the, uh, to the country as if it was from, from, from a member of Congress when it wasn't. 
and then we have this. Imagine all the other things they're misleading us on that we have no way of proving because we don't get to see the documents and we don't get to participate. That's how bad this committee is. Convicted sex trafficker Jelaine Maxwell was sentenced Tuesday to 20 years in prison for recruiting and grooming teenage girls to be sexually abused by Jeffrey Epstein. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker has details on that story. The 60-year-old Maxwell sat in court wearing a blue prison uniform as her lawyers argued with prosecutors over sentencing guidelines. They want her to serve a lot less time than the feds say she deserves. Meanwhile, outside court, Epstein accuser Sarah Ransom says this day has been a long time coming. I have uh, spent the last 17 years in my own prison for what she, Jeffrey, and all the co-conspirators did to me. I was raped repeatedly. I was raped three times a day sometimes. And I was not the only girl on that island. There was a constant stream of girls being raped. Maxwell was convicted of sex trafficking and transporting a minor to participate in illegal sex acts. Julie Walker, New York. Members of Congress from both parties are in peril in Tuesday's primaries due to redistricting perceived loyalty to Donald Trump or ideological and generational opposition, all challenging the current order. Nathaniel Rakich is a senior elections analyst for 538 and took a solid look at the Illinois primary. I think what's at stake here is whether Republicans have a prayer in the Illinois gubernatorial election in November. Um, Richard Irvin is the kind of more moderate candidate. Um, He has actually been um, attacked by Democrats because they don't want him to be the nominee. Um, and, and Darren Bailey, by contrast, is the Trumpier. He, he's been literally endorsed by Trump candidate. Um, I think if Bailey were to win, um, because Illinois is so blue, um, and Bailey is kind of this, you know, national Republican pro Trump figure, he would have real trouble winning. Rackage says the New York primaries aren't terribly interesting because it's nearly a foregone conclusion, in his opinion, what will happen in November. I'm not sure that much is at stake because I think Democrats are going to win this race in the fall no matter what. You know, I suppose theoretically, you know, if if Jumani Williams, the progressive candidate, were to win, you know, that could be a, you know, a significant moment um, given that New York has been historically governed by more moderate governors. Um, But Willington's campaign has really not gotten off the ground. His fundraising has been really poor. Um, He hasn't held a lot of events, perhaps because his wife um, is sick with cancer. Um, So it really looks like Hochul is going to waltz to the nomination. Rackage also says Colorado is interesting because it's a swing state on the cusp of turning red, especially this midterm. So Colorado, as folks probably know, you know, he used to be a swing state has really moved toward Democrats in the age of Trump. It's now kind of right on the cusp of competitiveness in a red wave election like 2022 could turn out to be. You could see it being competitive, but I think you'd have to give Democrats the edge by default. Um, If Republicans nominate Ron Hanks for Senate and uh, Tina Peters for Secretary of State, um, those are, as you mentioned, Galen, the the two big, big lie supporters. Um, They are probably too conservative, too extreme in order to win in Colorado. And then I think Democrats can not worry about the state in the fall. Um, But the the more moderate candidates uh, in those races probably could win. Rakic goes on to say the big story of the night is how many incumbents may lose their primary races.
honestly, it wouldn't be shocking to see five or six incumbents lose renomination on Tuesday, which itself, I mean, that, that, you know, in, in a normal election year, five or six incumbents losing a primary in the entire year would be a shockingly high number, but we could get that many just in one night, uh, which is pretty remarkable. Sarah Frostenson, 538's politics editor, says Tuesday's primaries were interesting because they show intra-party jockeying for position. I feel like there's three themes, right? Like there's the incumbent versus incumbent because of redistricting. That's harder to kind of necessarily read a lot into. But then as you're saying on the Democratic side, the progressive versus incumbent challenge. But then on the Republican side, which has been really interesting this year, not unique to this Tuesday, has been true in other primaries as well, but is the contest um, candidate kind of running against the incumbent generally speaking, because they haven't been Trumpy enough and not necessarily prevailing, but to your point, like cutting into the margin enough that it still speaks something about where that party is headed. The Daybreak Insider podcast will be following stories that emerge from Tuesday's primaries. We'll bring you more reaction and winners and losers in tomorrow's podcast. U.S. consumer confidence slipped to its lowest level in 16 months as persistent inflation and rising interest rates have Americans as pessimistic as they have been about the future in more than a decade. The conference board said Tuesday that its consumer confidence index slipped to 98.7 in June from 103.2 in May, the second straight monthly decline and the lowest level since February 2021. Stephen Moore, FreedomWorks senior economic contributor, a Wall Street Journal writer and Club for Growth founder, joined the Chris Stegall Show in Philadelphia discussing Moore's outlook on the economy. Moore had sharp criticism for the G7 for focusing on climate change while the world struggles with inflation. Here we have a you know crisis in Ukraine. We've got a crisis with the global economy. We have inflation everywhere. And these idiots are talking about, you know, climate change and, and renewable energy. When, as you just said very well, Chris, uh, Germany and all these countries are actually using more coal than ever before because they're <laughs> running out of energy. Moore says the recent Supreme Court rulings may help Democrats in the fall because it gives them something else to talk about rather than inflation. I do think that this allows uh, these two court decisions on guns and and abortion allow the the left to change the subject, the Democrats. So the the last thing that Democrats want to talk about right now is gas prices and the economy. So to that extent, it probably is a positive for for the Democrats. Moore also says what worries him is that, in his opinion, there may be more food shortages coming in the future. Inflation isn't getting better. It's getting worse. Look at the producer price index numbers. Look at what's happening with um, the energy shortages around the world. You, you are, and you're going to see potentially food shortages. In the, That's what's really scaring me, Chris, you know, that you're going to have, uh, you know, we've seen what's happening with baby formula and, you know, other kinds of products. You, you could see widespread shortages of food, and then the price, of course, goes up and up. And there's no solution. I mean, that's your point. Tell me one thing that Joe Biden has suggested that inspires any confidence that he is control of the situation and that it's going to get better. Moore says the economic red ink is really starting to show up. We have a study coming out at the Committee on Unleashed Prosperity. It'll be out uh, next week where we estimate that the United States economy is losing about $100 billion a year. 
because of this uh, reduction in coal uh, and a reduction in oil and gas production under under Biden. Amazon is providing $23 million to help minority-led organizations build or preserve more than 500 new affordable housing units in Seattle. Daybreak Insider's John Scott has more on the spending spree. The commitment comes from Amazon's Housing Equity Fund, a $2 billion initiative launched in January 2021. The fund has so far invested more than $1.2 billion to create or preserve over 8,000 affordable homes across three regions where the company has offices. The Puget Sound in Washington State, Arlington, Virginia, and Nashville, Tennessee. The new investments are the fund's first in Seattle proper. John Scott reporting. Atari turns 50. The company was originally named Syzygy Engineering. However, it wasn't until Atari released the extremely simple-to-understand Pong in 1972 in which its players competed in an almost computer version of air hockey, that electronic gaming had its mainstream launch. Atari founder Nolan Bushnell says that when he started out, the only thing he had was creativity. I think we stood for innovation, and also we were the genesis story. So you always have a hallowed position when you're the first. Yeah. You know, the history of video games is oftentimes the early days of the history of Atari. Yeah, I mean, we, we had no money, no factories, no market presence. The only thing we had was, was creativity. <laughs> Home versions from Atari consoles were soon created, which in turn created the home game console market, which Atari came to dominate for several years with its iconic Atari 2600 console. When asked about what the Atari logo means to him, current Atari CEO Wade Rosen had this to say. What does the logo mean for you? Well, you know, the benefit that I have is I get to come into this 50 years later. There's not a lot of symbols in the world that can carry double meaning. I think the Fuji does. It, It is both timeless and classic and has this feel like it's been there for a long time like it predates almost its own existence right that's why when you see it in blade runner or in ready player one it's an alternative future but it looks like a future that could be real Could be real and that it's not strange because this is a futuristic logo when it was made and still today so both timeless of the past and of the of the future that's what the fuji means to me yeah probably the most recognizable logo in video games. Happy accident for me. (laughs) Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.